Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Day 7 of the Men's Cricket World Cup was an eagerly anticipated doubleheader and it duly delivered. We finally had our first sighting of lesser spotted India, Kohli's boys starting with a win as they clinically unpicked South Africa at Southampton. An early Jasprit Bumrah brace set the tone before Yuzvendra Chahal's four-wicket haul restricted the sorry South Africans to 227 for 9. Then it was over to Rohit the hitman Sharma, who breezed to a 23rd ODI century to sit a six-wicket victory and inflict a third straight defeat on the Proteas. In the second match, New Zealand squeezed home by two wickets against Bangladesh in a nail-biter at the Oval. The Kiwis appeared to be cruising home with Ross Taylor and Kane Williamson at the crease, but this Bangladesh team don't give up without a fight and gave us the closest finish to the tournament so far. Welcome to the Wisdom Cricket Daily Podcast, in partnership with Travel Bag, creating holidays packed full of memories since 1979. I'm your host, Joe Harmon, and I'm reunited with Phil Walker, Editor-in-Chief of Wisdom Cricket Monthly, after his little rest yesterday. Are we feeling revitalised, Phil? Oh, massively. We won the quiz. We won the jackpot at my local boozer last night. So, so I'm, I'm a few pounds uh, less poor than I was this time yesterday. Lovely. Well, I'm glad that was time well spent. Uh, we'll be hearing again from South African cricket writer Daniel Gallon for his thoughts on the latest disappointment in his country's miserable tournament so far. And he's a lot more measured than he, he was the he's other day. He's calmed down a little bit. He has a little bit. Um, before we get going, I wanted to apologise for a few sound issues yesterday. Uh, I'm not sure if you're listening, Phil, but I was absolutely booming. Um, so sorry about that. Is it, is it your natural ebullience getting the better of you again? Or lack of technical expertise, I right. think, was the point. <laughs> um, anyway, Phil takes a day off and the whole show falls apart. That's how it goes. Uh, we will endeavour not to let that happen again. Uh, moving onwards and upwards, let's start with that Indian win over South Africa. Mm. Um, Phil caught up with Daniel Gallon immediately after the press conference in Southampton. Uh, this is what he had to say. OK, Dan Gallen, uh, you've been at the match today. Uh, India ran out comfortable winners. Your overall impressions from the day, first of all? Well, India looked very, very good. Really, really polished team. Uh, just just really tick every box. I mean, they, you know, the top three batsmen are, are class. Rohit Sharma, Virakoli said it was probably the best 100 he's ever seen Rohit hit. Right. Um, just just because of the way he, he composes and he's you know, normally a, a really free-flowing batsman he just looked in complete control apart from one shot where he got a reprieve from 
David Miller, um, Boomerang, and and, and um, Kumar with the new ball. I mean, Jasper Boomerang was just outstanding. Probably one of the best new ball spells I've seen, certainly in this World Cup. I mean, he was turning Quinton Dukak inside out. He he was rushing Hashim Amla really good. And then the spinners are just. They're so miserly, you know. It's just, it's like watching a, a boa constrictor just strangle its prey. They just don't let mm-hmm. you get away. So, you know, they're not they're not burning jaffas. Mm-hmm. They're not they're not bamboozling batsmen with, uh, you know, with these unplayable deliveries. But they just they're just so accurate and they just constantly teasing you like a yeah. So they they just completely strangle side. And as, yep. as for South Africa, uh, I promised myself I wouldn't be ranty as I was in the last chat we had uh, <laughs> in, the, in the last game. Um, yeah, just not very good. Just, just, just not as good as India. And I, I think there's no shame in saying that. I think this Indian side are are, are real class, and, and South Africa are in, are in a different one. Rohit Sharma as well. If you're talking about dreamboat cricketers, Rohit Sharma fits right in there. Um, it's interesting that what you said that Kohli uh, argued that this was his finest, most complete one-day innings. Um, that, I think there might be an element of pumping up his tyres there, but it was certainly a tough opening hour for him against, you know, a rejuvenated Rabada, uh, and then he came through and, and, and blossomed as he does. That's right. I mean, there was a stage when I was sitting in the press and the game was kind of meandering along, and I, and I looked up and I was like, jeepers, when did, when did Sharma get to 90? Yeah. You know, it was, just, it was just one of those innings where takes a four, block, block, gets a single, yeah. gets a two. You know, just, just completely uncomplicated. As I say, I think he, the only chance he gave was that was that that sitter to poor David Miller who catches that you know every day of the week except mm-hmm. for except for at a World Cup. Um, that that seemed know, to that moment seemed to typify South Africa's story at the moment. I, I felt I felt for them today. I have to be honest. I felt for them because everything that could have gone wrong did go wrong. Every half chance fell just short. Everything was on the half volley. I thought they bowled with spirit initially um, before naturally flagging uh, as the hope just you know diminished and drifted out of them but is there any way back now do you think is there any conceivable way that they can they can stumble through to the semi-finals or is their tournament done less than a week after the start well it's conceivable that they can beat the West Indies on Monday it's conceivable that they can go on and beat all the other teams you know the start of the tournament you probably England and India were the two games that it was very unlikely that they were going to win. But there's no there's no reason why this team can't beat other cricket sides. You know, we saw Pakistan beat England. These things do happen, but they it's the body language. It's not it's not yeah. the it's not the ability in the side. You know, Chris Morris walked out and he was asked the question, you know, what's going on? And he just he just took a, a, a resignated sigh and said, you know what, I just don't know. Yeah. We just we just we just not playing well. Hashim Amla now in the mix zone was also at a loss for, for what was going on. Faf Dupasi didn't even come in front of the media. Which is unusual, <laughs> isn't it, for Faf? Because he's very good with the media and very open and candid. Exactly. And, and before the start of the game, or, or could have even been um, after the last game, he, he, he told us that the side is looking for leadership and he is the right man for it. So it was quite interesting that when the side is looking for leadership, especially after a third defeat, he was he was absent, mm-hmm. but you know you can understand. I mean, there's only so many times you can hear you can hear the same guy say, "I just don't know why we're not playing well." Even though Fuff is really interesting and, and, and fun to fun to chat to, mm-hmm. you know, three three of the same interviews in a row, you can understand why they didn't send him out. Yeah. I, to answer your question, I, I I don't see it happening. I I, I don't necessarily. I'm not, I'm not writing them off for the game against the West Indies. I'm not saying that they're going to lose that game, 
but I, I can't see them going on and winning, winning, winning all six games. I mean, because the, because the team's all so tight, you would think that they would lose to one of them. Yeah. Although, although by our calculations, you can lose four. Though, that then that that comes into run rates and, and a lot of permutations. But um, no, I, I can't even see them probably winning. I can't even see them winning four of those remaining six. Yeah. What would the reaction be back, be like back home? Oh, jeez. Well, I mean, uh, I, I tweeted the other day that I, ho- I hope the, the, the good Lord gives me the, the unbridled and unfounded confidence of a South African sports fan because <laughs> there, there, there is nothing more entitled than a South African sports fan. They, I mean, they're they spinning bile. Um, I, I just filed a piece and I stupidly went and looked at the comments section and because I had the temerity to praise one of them, uh, Chris Morris and Yves Tafrequire, as you say, Kathisa Rabada, I think... I think these are players who, who played well today on, yeah. on the losing side. Because I had the temerity to praise them, I, I deserve to be shipped home with the rest of them. I mean, they, they, they're spitting blood. You know, South African sports fans are much like the English, I suppose. They're, they're, they're no half measures with them. Mm-hmm. Um, Duplessis done so well over the last two or three years. You, you know, wide, widespread respect for, for what he's done uh, to, to kind of galvanise South African cricket. But do you do you fear that if they if they carry on in this tournament as as it has been so far that there may be questions about his leadership in the end and that it might be right for a change? Well, I think right for a change, yes, perhaps. I think if they had a great World Cup, he would have stuck around um, at, at least until that home summer against England, where there's a bit of a bumper series, four tests, I think it is, and, and mm-hmm. a handful of one days and T20s. I, I hope that his that his legacy has already been cemented. I mean, there's only there's only so even the best chef in the world can't can't uh, win a Michelin star with poor ingredients. Mm-hmm. This is this is this is not a good side. Clough Duplessis is a is an astute tactician. He 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 went again with with Imran Tahir at the at the top, which you know was a gamble. But you know the mastermind to to open against England in that way, I thought I thought speaks volumes about his captaincy and yep. his bravery. But as I say, he's, he's not working with with the best raw ingredients. There's only so much. There's only so much uh, leadership can account for. Yeah. Okay. All right. It, on, on a more positive note, Dan, a week now into the tournament, uh, what have been your what have been your favourite moments so far? Watching Joffrey Archibald in the flesh. Mm-hmm. That was quite exciting. It's it's been a while since. Thank you ever so much for your time, Dan. Uh, you're having a no. good World Cup as well. We'll call on you later down the line. No, Thanks a lot. No stress. My pleasure. Ciao. Okay, those were Dan's thoughts. Um, Phil, what was your moment of the day? What was your takeaway from that match? Well, firstly, I've seen a lot of cricket today. I, I was I was up with the lark, and it's now quarter to ten in the evening. and We've only just seen the second game finish up. My moment feels like a long time ago now, but it was it was seeing... Uh, Chahal, the the will of the wisp, little leggy mm. for India, come on, um, 
and land it on a sixpence right from the off. And uh, Faf Duplessis, who's a good player and a very experienced player and who's been around the block, especially in the IPL as well. He'd have faced a lot of Chahal, but he didn't know which end of the bat to hold. And and Chahal just, he, he threw him a, a leg spinner, he threw him a wrong one, and then he threw him something in between out the front of the hand, drifted enormously on the breeze. And when you're putting a lot of revolutions um, on a cricket ball, it does magical things in the air, and you could see the arc. You could see the the, the pronounced arc of the of the delivery as it, as it drifted in um, and then bit off the surface uh, through bat and pad. It would have been LBW as it was. It bowled him as well. Um, it was two for one, really, for Chahal. Uh, and it was might have been his first. I forget now. It was so long ago. But he certainly took four for today. Um, and in fact, it wasn't. It was his second because Van der Dusen played a rather ignominious uh, attempted oh, yeah, reverse sweep. Yeah, down a little bit, didn't he? And play, yeah. yeah, and then played a shocker of a shot where, yeah. where he fell over um, and ended up on his bum. Um, so, so that was my moment, really. And it wasn't just uh, in and of itself against the South African side that is clearly struggling, but it was what it, the message that it sent out to everybody else, right? So their opening bowlers were brilliant. As yeah. Dan mentioned and everybody saw, Bumrah is a, is a champion and... Um, and Kumar as well, who, who didn't have a great time of it in England last time round, but but certainly certainly bowled well again today. Um, and then the two spinners come on, Yadav and Chahal. It's a bit of conjecture about whether whether they were going to play those that combination. Uh, well, it's been borne out, and it's a seriously clinical and ominous performance. They were always going to play those two against South Africa, weren't they? Because they just tied South Africa That's in true. knots in that series last year, or was yeah, it earlier that, this year? That is last true. Year? Um, I think they might have taken a record combined number of wickets for two spinners in an ODI series. Just, yeah, they didn't know how to play them then. Played cool deep a bit better today. I mean, he picked up just one wicket, was it, cool deep? Yeah, it was. Yeah, he got too many LBW. Um, it's hard to put your finger on the, the cool deep situation. Historically, left arm wrist spinners, they, I wouldn't say they get found out, but they become neutered. Um, the more familiar batsmen get with them, and you've seen it, you've seen it throughout. You know, there's very, very few left-arm wrist spinners who have been successful in five-day cricket. There's a few who have done who have done the business in one-day cricket. You think of Brad Hogg, uh, but they are few and far between. Um, Yadav has has the one that goes the other way, so he has the one right out the back of the hand that spins across the batsman, as well as the conventional wrist spinner to, to, to come into the right-handed batsman. There wasn't much evidence of that today, and there wasn't much evidence of that in the IPL either, and he was brilliant in the IPL last year, and if you remember, brilliant in England last year as well. Although even in that series, England mastered him by the by end. By the end, yeah. Root worked him out, uh, and then he played the test match and didn't go very, very well. So, I mean, that, yeah, but that backs up your point that the surprise factor goes and then actually perhaps Jahal is now the harder of the two to play. That was certainly on the evidence of today. It certainly looked like that today, yeah. But then, then they have Jadeja, as, as I mentioned in, in the, the chat with Dan. They have Jadeja to come in if Yadav is ineffective later in the tournament. They have all kinds of bases covered here in India. Uh, and if there was any sense with them having not played a game laughably, having not played a game for the first six days of the tournament, if there was any sense... Um, that other teams were bedding down uh, and that India would kind of go under the radar a little bit in these early stages. Well, the big boys are in town and uh, the way that they dismantled South Africa today was was a big statement for everybody else, to everybody else. And before we move on to the second game, which was a real thriller in the end, um, just a word on Rabada as well, who we talked about a couple of days ago, said he, he lacked that kind of spark that we're used to seeing from him. But I thought he was brilliant today. I thought... 
he looked like a bloke who just thought, right, I'm going to have to do this myself because I haven't got the support. And I thought he was really unlucky. It kind of summed up at the end with that absolute shocker of a catch that David Miller, yeah. I mean, he said every day of the week, I mean, every minute, every day of every week. I mean, yeah. it was about as bad as it gets. And it, it, as you said, it was just kind of the moment that summed up South Africa in this World Cup so far. Yeah, it was good to see Rabada back doing what he does. He, he seemed angry today. He'd called Coley out in the press a couple of days ago as well. He said he doesn't understand uh, the kind of the one-way aggression that Coley elicits, that he's okay giving it, but he doesn't like taking it back. So there was there was a sense that Rabada was, was stewing, I think, over the last couple of days. And as we discussed already, we've talked about South Africa a lot in the last <laughs> few days. Uh, he seemed... He seemed detached in the first two games, but he certainly didn't today. However, you, you're not going to allow India uh, not to get anywhere near 230. Um, and it, it was it was rather painful, really, to see see that last hour or so uh, of the, of that match. Um, although any time that Rohit Sharma bats uh, is not that bad a way it's to spend painful, an afternoon. Um, let's move on to uh, the Kiwis' victory over Bangladesh. Uh, my moment of, of that game, I think, was probably the decisive moment of that game, which was uh, Bangladesh's failure to, failure to run out Kane Williamson. I think he was on seven at the time. Uh, Ross Taylor, who was all beautifully in the end, but was all over the shop at the start of the innings, seemed to be kind of cat on a hot tin roof. Uh, called Williamson, th- Williamson through for a single, which was never there. Um, Mushfiq Rahim behind the stumps. It was a direct hit if he'd let it go. He tried to gather it in trying to do that, knocked off the bales, Williamson was barely in shot at this point, but the, st- the bales have been dislodged. Williamson was safe. Uh, Williamson and Taylor go on to put on 105 for the third wicket. Obviously, Bangladesh came back into the game after that, but that was effectively the partnership which, which ultimately won them the game. Yeah, there's a couple of things from that, really. Uh, one, Williamson and Taylor, considering they've grown up playing cricket with, with one another, they still don't know, don't know each other from Adam. It's quite bizarre when you see them out there in the middle. I wonder if there's something about Kane Williamson when he bats, that he is so self-contained and so cocooned in his own brilliance uh, that he maybe, he maybe doesn't kind of respond quite as, as outwardly to, to what's happening at the other end as other players might. That, for me, that, for that, me, Taylor's the issue. Right. I've seen Taylor. I mean, there was a run out against South Africa in the World Cup semi-final last time round. Okay. I, I, it looked to me like Taylor was, was the one that was causing the issues there. But Yeah, maybe. I mean, my, my cod psychology is nonsense at the best well, of times. mine. <laughs> can face off. One thing that, that struck me, though, seeing Taylor, I know that he was a bit, a bit twitchy initially, clearly keen to get on with it, figuring that an hour of him would probably take the game away from Bangladesh. But I liked seeing that. And I liked... I liked seeing a player who is very easy to like, Ross Taylor. He's a very humble, modest kind of geezer, um, but he bats. When he's on form, there are a few more attractive players out there to watch. And he is at the, in the prime of his life as a, as a cricketer. His form in one-day cricket in the last six to 12 months is outstanding. He averages something like 70-odd. Um, he is a player absolutely at the top of his game. And he fancies this World Cup. You can see that. He has new eyes, as we keep hearing. He had you know, laser surgery last year. Which meant he could barely see the ball when he was playing under lights. He said it was fine usually, but under lights he could barely see the ball. Which yeah. is extra- I can't get my head around. Yeah, that. and he was facing Stark as well at the time, which, yeah. which is not ideal uh, at the best of times. So I quite liked his approach. I thought you know, there, was, there was a kamikaze element to it maybe initially, but after that he played the most important innings of the day. You look through this side, this New Zealand side, um, and it's it's strong. There are very few uh, holes in it, I would say. You know, Guptill batted well last week. He was a bit 
flighty today, I thought, but but he stands up. L- Latham played an injudicious shot um, in right in the, in the heart of that innings. Uh, but again, you know, he's established himself as a good international cricketer, Latham, so you'd feel that he will kind of come good. Jimmy Neesham is a youthful one-day cricketer in there, and of course they've got a really, really good seam bowling attack. So good that, as you said to me earlier, Tim Southey probably wouldn't get into this 11, even if he was fit. Yeah, I think, that's, I think that probably is true at this stage now. I think there are weaknesses in that New Zealand side, and I think that, that got shown today. They were just lucky they didn't have that many runs to chase. I think that middle order is lacking a quality finisher. That that kind of 5-6-7, Latham, Nisham, uh, DeGrantom, you wouldn't really necessarily back them to get you home kind of seven times, eight times out of ten. Uh, as it happened today, they didn't. They left it to Santner, who is, is kind of cool as ice, isn't he, really? Yeah. Uh, with bat and ball. Um, and, and they kind of squeezed over the line. But I, I, I think that might be why they don't end up winning this tournament. I think they'll find themselves in a pressure situation and don't have quite of the players. Taylor yeah, Williamson okay. got still class, but I'm not sure about the rest. Yeah, okay, I, I can see that. All I would add, and I think overall you're, you're probably right on that, all I would add is that they have, in Nisham and de Grandholm, two two big hitters. Not kind of hard-nosed, Donny-esque finishers by any stretch, but... But two hitters, you know, the Grandholm has made important runs in important cricket matches now, you know, in high-profile IPL games as well as for New Zealand. And and Santner, while he, he do, he's not dripping with talent as a batsman, he, he has the smarts to fulfil that role, I would say. And so while there isn't an obvious candidate in that middle order, I think there's, there's versatility in that middle order. Mm. Um, moreover... What we are seeing, and I think the big story from the first week, is that groundsmen are doing the business. Uh, you wonder if it is an ICC diktat or not. But you saw at the Oval today, which is obviously traditionally a flat track, you saw a pitch that was a bit sticky, didn't massively come on at all times. Uh, Williamson said at half time, at the end of the game rather, that at half time they thought, you know, 260 would have taken quite some chasing. This is, you're talking about the Oval here. Mm. Um the most heartening part of the first week has definitely been that scores are not astronomical and that the, that age-old balance between bat and ball that has, has concerned cricket lovers since 1712 is is still just about right. And, and it's been very heartening for me and encouraging that... Uh, that the, the bowlers are, if not holding sway, then at least at least having a say in, in, in this tournament. Uh, and New Zealand's bowlers are class. And Lockie Ferguson again proved that he, you know, that Mitchell Stark might be quicker than him. Andre Russell on, a, on his day might be quicker. Uh, Joffre and Mark Wood, yeah. But after that, there aren't that many, really. Mm. You know, he's very quick through the air. He bounced out Tammy McBall today. He's got a very clear role in that side as well, hasn't he? Yeah, you obviously know. Bolt is world class. Um, uh, Matt Henry probably leading wicket taker in the tournament. I, I guess he must seven be from two, I think. Yeah, it is. who probably yeah. wouldn't have started the tournament. So yeah, they're looking strong. Uh, a word on Bangladesh who couldn't quite pull it off today. Would have been a pretty remarkable win if they had done, given everything that went wrong for them. Uh, I turned to you as we were watching that that finale and just say they're going to give England a good game on Saturday and uh, at Cardiff. And I think I think they will. Yeah. Uh, we'll come to England in a minute because we, you know, we've got to have a little chat about them. Um, I, I really like watching this Bangladesh team. This is not especially insightful comment, by the way. I just really, <laughs> okay. really enjoy watching watching their batsmen. Sumyar in particular, uh, who gave it away today infuriatingly, cruised to 25, played a couple of gorgeous shots and then just missed a straight one against Henry. 
but they're very they're a very watchable team with the bat. Um, they lack they lack a top class seamer. Uh, Mustafa Sarr is obviously their star man, but he seven overs for forty odd today and didn't look especially penetrating to be honest. And Mataza is is a great warhorse, but uh, you know he's quite a limited bowler at this level on these pitches. Uh, Staffudin bowled nicely, but again he's a workaday kind of seamer. So there are obvious weaknesses or limitations probably fairer in their bowling side and I think that that will hold them back in the end but they play with fabulous spirit they play home fixtures every time they take the field in England uh the 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 buzz that the team generates um is so much a part of what a world cup is as well Uh, and not enough is is made of that I don't think you know and 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 you think about past World Cups where atmospheres in grounds have been pretty, pretty grim as in certain matches, you know, badly attended, grounds that are too far away. Well, what you've seen so far, with one or two, one or two exceptions, you know, the, the drizzle in Cardiff didn't create a great atmosphere yesterday. But, but overall, I think the buzz around this tournament has been really good and exemplified in, in South London, of course. Yeah, and we'll be sorry to see the back of the Oval because obviously the way the tournament works, we move on to another... To we another won't set, personally because we'll be back grounds. to work. <laughs> yeah, we, we've, we'll have quite <laughs> enough of it. Um, but obviously, it's, it's right that the tournament is shared around the country and goes to all venues, but it's always... You don't get too many bad games at the Oval. At least that's how it, that's how it seems to me. Um, just a little one on England then, Joey. Uh, play, play two, one, one, loss, one. Um, they've got Bangladesh on Saturday. Are you suddenly seeing all kinds of permutations where this, this story can come undone? I'm trying not to. I mean, we were obviously discussing these before the tournament started, so now they've kind of <laughs> risen to the surface even more after that defeat to Pakistan. I don't have too many concerns. I would say, if we're talking about a low-scoring tournament, that doesn't really help England. From England's point of view, the bigger the scores, the better, yeah. because England can outbat, with the possible exception of India on their day, anyone else in the tournament. If we're talking about 240 plays 240, traditionally that's not what England are great at. Actually, I remember Lawrence Booth on our first ever preview uh, saying he almost fancies uh, England to chase 350 more than 250. Now, more likely than not, they're going to be chasing 250 rather than 350 against Bangladesh if that's the way the game plays out. So, slight concerns, but we've got to kind of keep perspective here. This is still a brilliant team with some... unbelievably good players uh, and a defeat to Pakistan hasn't changed that. And that was their first unsuccessful run chase in England in four years as well. So I think at this stage... And two we players can hundreds it. as well. It's not like everyone was out of nick and everyone had a, had a poor day. They just conceded a few too many runs. Okay, well, I think we're going to wrap it up there. Plenty more cricket we, we to We could come. just go on all we, night, can we? We could. We could. <laughs> we could. But we're not going to, don't worry. Um, tomorrow, I'll be handing over hosting duties to Yazrana. Um and he'll be joined by Phil, me. I believe. Yeah, me and again. And we're very much hoping the brilliant Aussie broadcaster Mel Jones, if we can sort out, or if she can sort out her schedule. Uh, failing that, it'll be probably be me again. So, <laughs> so fingers crossed. I uh, know who I'd prefer to be talking to. Yeah, no, I don't doubt that. Um, anyway, whoever's on, they'll be looking back on what promises to be an absolute cracker between West Indies and Australia at yes, Trent Bridge. Yes, There will be runs. Nicholas Poran is what I'm saying. We're looking forward to that one. Uh, this has been the Wisden Cricket Daily Podcast in partnership with Travel Bag, creating holidays packed full of memories since 1979. The year uh, of my birth. Was it? Okay. Don't add that every single time. Okay. <laughs> uh, don't forget to subscribe on the podcast app or Spotify. Thanks, folks. Podcast Network.